Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, On some level, I feel every time that I stutter really bad, I have to make an apology. On some level, you might hear me say, excuse me sometimes. And sometimes uh, my stutter gets worse because of how much sleep I do or don't get. But also, I get a little nervous sometimes up here. Um... Especially when I get to texts like Ephesians chapter 5. Why? Why should I get nervous? It's the word of the Lord, right? Thanks be to God. But I get nervous because how many of us, wives included, want to hear this? (laughs) Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, right? Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And the question is always, everything? Everything. Now, most of the time, I've I've heard this expounded upon in that that we want to try and soften it a little bit. We want to soften it by saying, well, you know, if your husband does this, then of course you don't have to pay attention to that. You know, certainly there are instances where a husband can be mistaken and not show love to his wife and ask her to do certain things that are just abominable. And I'm not talking about trivial things around the house or whatever. I'm talking like, um, well, there was, well, just as an example, what a horrible example it is. The, um, some Lutherans back in the 16th century had to use this example as to why they could refuse the authorities when they told them that they had to stop um, when they had to stop holding church in the way that they were and had to go back to the old way of doing it. Right? They said that would be like a husband and father telling his wife, "Honey, we cannot make ends meet, so you have to go and become a prostitute so that we can pay our bills." And she has every right to say no, right? That's an extreme example. That's one example I'd say, well, if your husband's telling you to do that, then we need to talk. Because he should not be asking you to do such a horrible thing and breaking your vows. But we get, I think, too far into this game of saying, how can we find the exceptions to the rule? as opposed to finding out where is the rule and how can we faithfully abide by it. Now, as a husband, there are hard things in this text for both sides, husbands and wives. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And another question might be, well, he's not the Lord. He's not perfect. Why Should I listen to everything that he has to say or do all the things that he has to say? And it's because that submission is faithful. That submission of the wife to her husband is faithful in that if he truly loves her as Christ loves his church, his bride, he will not ask her to do such horrible things like prostituting herself out to make ends meet. He will not ask her to do certain things. He will actually make his he he will actually make her life blessed. Right? He will do all that he can and all that he must to make sure that she does not suffer want 
of any kind. So in that way, he provides for her. He sacrifices himself for her and for his children so that they would not suffer, so that they would be taken care of. And in that response, wives submit to your husbands. Maybe in this world where the, uh, where the estate of husband and wife of true marriage is in shambles right now, we need to get into some habits. What can we do? Because the world will look at us and say, you're old-fashioned, it's out of style for the wife to be so submissive. You want us to go back to some sort of subjugation of, of wives so that men can lord it over them and, and be the big men they think they are, all these things, right? The degradation of husbands and wife is just it's horrible. And we in the church have too often times kowtowed to the world in finding ways that there are exceptions to obeying these commands. Maybe we need to repeat that the husband is the head of the household and the wife is subordinate to him. The husband is the head of the household and the wife is subordinate to him. Keep saying that over and over again until the redness in your face goes down, right? It's the word of the Lord. It is God's word direct from him to you for your good. And only the world and the sinful flesh would see that as something horrible, right? Only the sinful flesh hears these words and squirms because they don't want it to be so, because it doesn't like the order that God has established. God is a God of order. He has put things in place for our good, not for our downfall, not for our pain and suffering, but for our good. That likewise, as the wife is to submit to her husband in all things, husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved his church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, with the spoken word, proclaiming salvation and grace and peace so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or, 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 or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. She is not his property. She is not his plaything. She is not to be used at his own whim and passion and lust. She is to be loved. In the same way, wives are to respect their husbands. The unified order is, is there. It's always been there. This is the standard for all time. This is nothing new. That man shall leave his father and his... His father and his... his his, 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 excuse me. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
this, 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 this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. For us in the church, we should hold fast to this. We should laud this. We should call this blessed. This is a beautiful thing. Is it hard? Absolutely. Is it difficult? You bet. Not all, husband lo- not all husbands love their wives as they ought, and not all wives, and not all wives um, submit to and respect their husbands as they ought, yet the order remains and it is blessed. And it is only kept by God's grace and favor. It is only by knowing who Christ is and what he thinks about that union. It is only kept when we confess our sins of not loving each other, of not submitting. We confess our sins and desire to do better by God's help. And this is not just something for the folks who are married. This is something for all people to keep in mind that if you desire to be married, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. You need to know what makes for a happy and blessed household and home. That you cannot improve on what God has created and blessed. Don't even try. It's foolishness. Because if one, let's just say this, if the husband is the head of the, of the household, And yet, somehow, they both say, well, we're both co-partners in this endeavor. Two heads makes a monstrosity. They're being pulled in different directions only to be split up at some point in time. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And on the opposite side, if the man says, well, I'm very progressive and I don't believe in this old, outdated structure, my wife is just as good as me, and she's, she's even better. I believe all the commercials that say that the husband and father is a big old dolt, doesn't know what he's doing. The wife's got to come in and save the day. She needs to be leading things, and she needs to be running the household completely. I'll do whatever she says. She's just so smart. The rib has become the head and drives everything into the ground because the body has been turned upside down. These words mean something, y'all. They mean something for us to hold on to, to understand that there is a duty and a blessedness that comes from this union, that they are to work in tandem, that the husband is to lead, but the wife is to help and to submit, to be a help that is right for him, supporting him in all the things that he is to do, and that is a gift. Not to go too far, but it is a gift to not have to make the hard decisions. It is a challenge to watch your husband do what you think is wrong and yet submit and support him anyways. But still that is blessed, more than just taking charge and saying, I know what I'm doing, I gotta take the reins, he's not doing it, so I gotta do it for him. So how often do we look at this and we get nervous and we 
even if you don't have a stutter, stutter through these words, telling people, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as, the Christ, as Christ loves his church, his bride. It is hard. It's difficult. Our sinful flesh needs to be subdued under the waters of, 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 of baptism that cleanses us of wrong thinking and shines his light on us so we can see his truth. Because God loves for husband and wife to come together, to be, to be, to be united in the way that he has ordained them to be. It's no coincidence that our text from John is, not only in John's gospel, but John is so bold to say under um, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that this is the first of his signs. In Greek, it is the chief of his signs. It's that important that God made flesh comes to a wedding to a place when a man cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh. It is significant that that happens because what happens? They run out of wine. In this tiny town of Cana in Galilee, in this tiny town where festivals, I've said before, in the Jewish um, customs, when you get married, it's days-long festival. And... How embarrassing if you run out of provisions. The biggest one, wine. How embarrassing. And yet, Jesus' mother, Mary, is a typical mom, right? She just comes up and says, they have run out of wine. <laughs> no other words. They've run out of wine. And Jesus says, woman, what is that to do with me? My hour has not yet come. We'll talk about that hour in just a moment here. But his mother is faithful, and she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, Jesus could come in there and just simply say, close it on up. They're all drunk anyways. They got to go home. It's, it's irresponsible for us to have them keep drinking. But what does Jesus do? Tells them, Takes, take those, those, those stone water jars and fill them up. You want to do the math here? How much wine that becomes? If a bottle of wine is a fifth of a gallon, these things hold 20 to 30 gallons times six, that's six, 600 to 900 bottles of wine. In Fredericksburg, that's even a lot. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Yet, Jesus, God made flesh, abundantly blesses the union showing that this is a foretaste of what is to come in the feast of the consummation of the bridegroom, Christ, and his church, his bride. That in the world to come, there will not need to be this worry of drunkenness, that wine gladdens the hearts of men. A little too much in this life makes you drunk, and that's not good. It's a sin. Yet in the world to come, his extravagance is wonderful. It is good. His grace pours out all the more, more than we would ever expect. So much so 
that our sinful flesh is seen in the master of the feast when he comes and he complains. And he says, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, that is, they've drunk too much, then you pull the rug out from under them because they don't know any better. They serve the poor wine. But you're irresponsible. You've kept hold of these things. You held out on us. You've kept the good wine until now. When people don't even know, their taste buds are numb. You're giving them the good stuff. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? In this way, this is our sinful flesh that looks at marriage and says, it's not good enough. God's holding out on us for all the things that I would like to have done. But we see here that this is the chief of his signs that Jesus did at Cana, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples, they believed in him. They believed in him before, but they believed in him more and more, a strengthening of their faith in this. And whether you are a bride or a bridegroom, whether you have marriage in your sights or not, I pray that most people do. It's a very few people that don't have the gift of, um, of um, being able to subdue their passions and lust in that way. For most people, it is a blessed thing to be, well, for most people, I think they should seek to get married. Um, it's very rare that someone is not um, given that gift. But for us, for all of us, whether a bridegroom or a bride, we know that we belong to, to, to the church, who is the bride of Christ. Christ is our bridegroom. He loves us. He has given himself for us. He has shed his blood for you. When he tells, when he tells his mother, my hour has not yet come, the hour that he speaks of is the hour, the time, when he shows his, the fullness of his glory. And that's not when he was raised from, from the tomb. That's not when he rose to be seated at the right hand of the Father. It was when it seemed like he was at his worst point, his lowest point, his cross. That in his death, before he died, he yielded up his spirit and he said, it is, it is finished. And in that moment of glory, in the hour, he gives his spirit and in the piercing of his side, what comes forth? Blood and water. That from the side of the new Adam comes forth his new Eve, his church, who is washed clean in the water, who is nourished by his blood and covered by it so that she would be presented blemishless, blameless, spotless, holy for him. That in Christ you have been made new. He is your bridegroom. He has given himself for you. He has, come, he has gone to prepare a place for you and he will come again to bring you to himself to celebrate with all, with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom which shall have no end. And this is a glorious thing for us 
to keep our eyes on. So in the meantime, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, as the blessed thing that that is. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved, 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 as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And those who have yet to become wives or husbands, pray for that day when you will meet that person, when you will pronounce your vows and become one flesh and join with the rest of us in that blessed act. And the peace of God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.